Good evening, everyone. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I uh, struggle with fear, selfishness, ingratitude, resentment, things like that. My name is Josh, and I'm glad to be here. Glad. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, man, I love being here on Friday night and being able to preach on Friday night. This is my forever family, and so I'm just so glad uh, that you are here tonight, and, and let's get with it. We're, what are we talking about t- tonight? What we're going to be talking about is the lesson, Confess. And before we get into the nitty-gritty of that lesson, I want to confess to you tonight my nightly routine. Is that okay? And how many of you have a nightly routine? I know we got morning routine. You got, okay, some of you got a nightly routine. I have, I have one. Every night before I go to bed, this is what I do. I get the coffee maker ready the night before, so I grind the beans, I pour the water in the coffee maker, because the first thing in the morning I do is I got to have coffee. I know someone in here is like, well, I got to have Jesus first thing in the morning. I got to have coffee, okay? And so I get it ready. I get it ready the night before. So I do that first. And the next thing I do is I start walking around the house to make sure all the doors are locked. So I go into the garage and turn the lights on. And I make sure the garage door is closed, the side door of the garage is closed and bolted. And I go into the uh, kitchen, I make sure the patio door is locked and, and secure. Then I go into the front entrance, turn on the lights, make sure that front entrance doorway is locked. And that's kind of my nightly routine. But here's what I discovered over the years. And that is this, is that I start doubting what I saw. Anybody ever, I, like, I'll go recheck again. And then I'll recheck again. Sometimes I'll recheck three, four times. Anybody OCD like that, like me? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is me. I, I'm not trusting what I already saw. I'm not trusting what I've already experienced. I doubt what I saw in the light. And why I'm bringing this story up is because spiritually, God wants you to start trusting what you've already experienced from him. Like what you've already seen in the light, what he's already said to you. I'm going to talk about a story tonight where the people of God started doubting what they had already seen. And the result of that was chaos in their life, dysfunction. And confession is going to come in real beautiful here because confession would have been a great solution to their dysfunction, to their chaos. It would have made things so much better had they practiced this confessed lesson. So what I'm going to talk about tonight, if you grew up in church, you've heard this story. It's called the golden calf story. And it's in Exodus chapter 32. Let me give you a little backstory to the story. The Israelites have been in Egypt for many, many years as slaves. God called Moses to bring them out of Egypt. The Israelites in their rescue saw miracle after miracle after miracle in the light. I mean, they saw things like this, a pillar, a a, a cloud leading by day, a pillar of fire leading them by night. That's pretty cool, isn't it? They saw the Red Sea part so they could go through it. And then they saw the Red Sea close in on the Egyptian army. That's a miracle. That is, that is great. They get on the other side and they're in the wilderness. And God starts feeding them from heaven like manna, meat from heaven. He, he starts providing them water supernaturally. 
Miracle after miracle, he's just providing. As they're out in the wilderness, he's providing a victory over other people groups that are trying to attack them. He speaks directly to them through Moses and actually speaks directly to them from a mountain, cloud on the mountain, shaking the mountain violently, flashes of lightning, rumbles of thunder, probably like we're going to get tonight. Crazy stuff. And they see miracle after miracle after miracle. What the, That's what they saw in the light. Well, as the story goes... Moses goes up on the mountain to start talking to God. And Moses and God are having that conversation for days and days and days and days. Israelites start getting impatient. Where's God? Where's Moses? We don't think he's here anymore. He's not doing things according to our timetable. Aaron, Aaron is Moses' brother. They start pressuring Aaron. Will you make us a golden calf so we can worship it? We don't know where God is. We don't know where Moses is. Let's pick up the story, Exodus chapter 32, beginning in verse 1. I'm just going to go ahead and read verses 1 through 4. Let's look at this. I think we'll have it on the screen. If not, I got it in my Bible. Okay, I got it in my Bible. Okay, is it coming? Oh, there it is. Okay. Exodus 32, beginning in verse 1, and we're going to read to verse 4. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and mow it to the shape of a calf. Okay, we're, that's not actually the verse. Let me read it from the Bible. <laughs> Exodus 32, beginning in verse 1. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses, who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said this, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Oh boy. How quickly can any of us turn our back on God? including me. Here's a story where it's like, well, God is taking too long. He's not doing anything for me right now. So let me turn, let's make this golden calf. And before we get into the confess lesson, I want to just draw out a a few things from this story. One of the things I want to draw out is how ironic this is. Because who gave the Israelites that gold to make the golden calf? Anybody want to guess? God, right. Yeah, the Egyptians, but God through the Egyptians. God has sent the plagues on the Egyptians. So they see miracle after miracle there, the plagues. It's soft in the Egyptians' heart. They start telling the Israelites, what do you want from us? They're like, we'll take your gold. The Egyptians give them the gold. And so they, the, the Israelites take what God has given them and turn it into a false god. Now, I wonder if that's applicable today. (laughs) I wonder if God can give me something and I start putting more attention to it than the God who gave it to me. I started thinking about myself, like I know better, like God has given me resources, God has given me gifts and talents, God has given me children, God has given me position and status. And during this journey, somehow I start forgetting who gave it to me. Anybody else? Yeah. And what I want to draw out of here is that, you know what? Your resources better always point you to the source who is God. 
always. Because you can easily turn something God has given you into a false god and start putting more attention on it than God himself. Another thing that I kind of see from this story is every time I read this story and I kind of hear people preaching about it, you, you can feel a little judgmentalism coming. Like, I can start thinking, well, how could they? How could the Israelites, after all they experienced from God, turn their back on God? Well, here's something you need to know about recovery. And this is why this is real church, by the way. It's because in recovery, we actually do self-examination, not others' examination. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, we, we start sticking to I and me statements. In other words, how could I, after all God has done for me, how could I stop trusting him? How could I, when he has raised me from spiritual death to life, start doubting that he is with me? How could I, after he's paid my sin debt in full, start doubting him? How could I, after all that he's done for me, giving me breakthrough over addiction, giving me breakthrough over resentments and fear, how could I start thinking, well, where's God? How could I? Remembering recovery, it is about self-examination and not others' examination. We'll be talking more about that in just a minute. The other thing I'm going to draw out from this story is we have to remember about the Israelites. They had lived many, many years in Egypt. And something they saw that was very familiar to them were idols. I mean, it was very familiar. The Egyptian gods that they had made were out of bulls a lot of times. They fashioned idols. They worshipped idols. That's what they were used to. They saw that. And here we are in a situation where God is taking too long on the mountain, they think. And they're like, you know what? Let's turn to something familiar. Let's turn to something from our past. Let's turn to something of old because we're seeking comfort and, and we need, we need a, a divine experience. We need a spiritual experience. And, and so they turn to something familiar and they make that golden calf. The only problem with that is, remember the Ten Commandments was actually before this. And I think it's on the next slide. This is what God had told the Israelites in Exodus 20. He says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on earth in the sea. That's what he told them ever before the golden calf story. But they pushed God's word aside. And I want to ask you, as we're doing self-examination, I want to ask you, and I'm asking myself this, these two questions that we're going to put up on the screen next. Are you going back to the familiar instead of trusting what God has said? What do you do when you feel quietness from God? What do you do when you feel quietness from God? Think about that. Well, as the story continues, um, God sees what's going on with his people. He, sees the, he knows the people worshiping idols. And, and so he sends Moses back down the mountain to confront them. And this is where the confess lesson is going to start taking shape, Okay. Watch this. Moses is going to confront Aaron on this. This is Exodus 32, beginning in verse 21. Finally, Moses turned to Aaron and demanded, what did these people do to you to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? Next verse. This is where we think Aaron is going to confess. This is what he says instead. 
Don't get so upset, my lord, Aaron replied. You yourself know how evil these people are. Now, let me, let me tell you something right now. If you're ever talking about those people or these people, you're messed up, okay? You're, you're not growing at all. You're spiritually stunted if you're talking like that. This is why this is real church. Don't get so upset, my Lord. You yourself know how evil these people are. Next, next verse, watch this. They said to me, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. He was supposed to confess what he did, but instead he indirectly blamed Moses. We didn't know where you were. You didn't communicate with us how long you were going to be. And he directly blamed those people. You know how evil these people are. You see, we have a principle in spiritual growth. We call it principle four that says this. Openly examine and what? Confess. My faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. This word confess here means agreement. In my heart, in my mind. I know in my heart, in my mind, what I just did was not God's will. I missed the mark. There's such an agreement in your heart, in your mind, that there's an outward speaking. Like there's an outward admittance, an outward confession. God, I messed up. My favorite part of this principle, though, is look at the, what's the two words after confess? No, hey, go ahead and put the, the previous slide, previous slide. Okay, okay. Confess what? My faults. Aaron, not Moses' faults. Aaron, not these people's faults. Josh, not your spouse's faults, your parents' faults, your children's faults, not your church's faults, not your government's faults. My faults. That's the principle. But, oh, I'm just like Aaron. I feel so much better about myself when I confess someone else's faults. It makes me feel better temporarily. But what it does in the long run is it keeps me stuck in spiritual immaturity. It keeps me stuck in dysfunction. If you want to get out of dysfunction, if you want to get out of immaturity, you practice the confess lesson. So on the front of your outline, when you walked in, you should have got this acrostic that says confess. I want us to look at that because this is really the way we get out of the mess of dysfunction and immaturity by putting this acrostic to practice. So the C in confess stands for confess. I'm confessing my wrong. I'm owning up. I admit, God, I messed up. But here's what you need to know about confessing. Confession is never about information. Like God already knew they were down there worshiping the golden calf. So it's not about relaying information. Confession is always about restoring the relationship, restoration. God, I sinned against you. This is what I did. I sinned against you, and I want this relationship restored. I'm seeking closeness with you. Confession is never about information. It's about restoration. It's about something else. We'll get to that in a second. The O in confess, watch this, is obey God's direction. You being a confessor is obeying God's direction. You being a repressor or a suppressor is not. Concealing sin, covering up sin is always the opposite of God's direction. What are secrets? Secrets are things that we're burying on the inside. Usually it's pain, it's hurts, it's something like that. We're burying it on the inside. And the reason we bury it on the inside is because we think it's going to die there. Like we, we bury someone because they're dead. 
We think pain works the same way. Well, I bury it on the inside. It will go away. It will die in there. But the opposite is true. There are some things that when you bury it, it actually gets bigger. Did you know that? You, you, you plant a seed in the ground. You bury it. It grows. I think about Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. He was buried in a tomb, but he rose on the third day. And we're still reaping the benefits of that today. The church is expanding globally, expands. Well, guess what? Pain is like that in some ways. You bury it on the inside. It just expands and it grows and it just screams, feed me, feed me, numb me, numb me. And we have to turn to other things or we turn to other things to do that. If you really want pain to die, get it out. Confess. And when you do, here's what else confession is about. It's about restoration, but it's also about transformation. When you do, you become lighter. Your smile gets brighter. Your eyes get brighter. Your posture gets better. You are transforming. I've seen it happen in this place so many times. You'll experience transformation by practicing confession. It eases the pain. The S, the first S in confess is stop the blame. Stop the blame. I so wish that Aaron had the confess lesson. But it actually gets worse for Aaron because he's going to keep explaining away the golden calf story. I wish I had it up on the screen, but I'm going to read this to you. This is what happens next with Aaron with the golden calf. He's explaining away what happened with the golden calf. And this is what he tells Moses. So Moses, I told them, told these people this, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. And when they brought it to me, I simply threw it into the fire and out came this calf. I, I, thrown, I have thrown a lot of things in the fire and nothing ever comes out. Have you? I mean, have you ever thrown something into the fire and not nobody, right? Not only is it Moses' fault, not only is it these people's fault, but you know what, who else's fault it is? It's the fire's fault. No confession here. No confession. But again, I think the real reason when I look at the heart of this is they weren't feeling God at the moment. They weren't seeing God at the moment. He's taking too long. We're trusting our feelings. We're trusting what we see. And what we can do when we feel that quietness from God, that's why I did those self-examination questions. When we feel this quietness from God, like God's taking too long, he's not around right now, what we can always see, though, is his word to us. And before this story, do you know what God had actually said to the Israelites? We can't see it on the screen, but I'll read it to you. This is what God had said to the Israelites before this story. This was in Exodus 19. He says to to the people, he says, if you obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. In other words, God had told them before the golden calf story, I love you. I'm for you. I want to see you thrive. My will, my ways are the way you thrive. You are my special treasure. You're a kingdom of priests. You're my holy nation. We can always hang hang our lives on what he has said. We can always go back to that. He has said the same things to us, that you're his special treasure. We are his kingdom of priests. We are his holy nation. He's told us so many other things like we're his children. That he is with us to the end of the age. He'll never abandon us. Even when we're waiting, we don't see great miracles like they did. Even while we're waiting, he is always with us. The scripture says he's holding us by our right hand. Great miracles. 
that are taking place even when we don't see it. The last S to confess on your outline is start accepting God's forgiveness. Start accepting God's forgiveness. Let me tell you something. If you're into concealing sin, hiding, running, repressing sin, burying sin, suppressing sin, all those things, you're not accepting God's forgiveness. I was listening to a pastor talk, and and he was saying this, that he asked this question, do you know why the crucifixion was such a horrible death back then when Jesus would be today too, but do you know why it was such a horrible death? Because you were exposed. Jesus was stripped naked, and he couldn't cover himself up. He had his hands nailed to a cross and his feet nailed to it. It was no covering up. So he died exposed. He died uncovered, and he died unhidden. It was a public death. That's why people kept walking by, mocking him and insulting him. It was a public execution. Oh, I wonder what he did wrong. Is he, is he a criminal? You know, all these things that they were mocking at. Save yourself. You're just mocking him. So he died exposed, uncovered, and unhidden. But you know why he did that for you and me? So that you could be clothed, not exposed. So that you could be covered, not uncovered, but covered in his righteousness. So that you could be hidden in him. Not unhidden, but hidden, unhidden, I mean hidden in him. That's why there's a thing in scripture that you see these two words, in Christ, in Christ. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's your position as a child of God. When you put your faith in Christ, you are in Christ, clothed, covered, and hidden by him. And therefore, because that's your position, you can always approach boldly God, no matter what you've done, no matter what you haven't done, because you're clothed in him. What a great gift confession is, and what a greater gift Jesus Christ is.